0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Merry Christmas, City Walk Church. How are we doing this evening? Afternoon, I guess. Yeah. Whether you're watching online or you're here this evening, uh, we're so thankful that you're here. Uh, during the Christmas season, uh, there are a lot of things that, that we look forward to. We look forward to pulling out our favorite Christmas movies. We look forward to listening to some of our favorite music that, that uh, you know, some of those Christmas music songs, some of those songs and different things that we like to listen to that, that uh, some people think you're not allowed to listen to before Thanksgiving and you're actually officially allowed to. So you get to listen to some of your favorite songs. You, you get restocked on socks and underwear, which is always good at Christmas. You, you get an excuse, like we needed one this year, to eat stuff that's terrible for you, but is really good tasting, and you actually have an excuse. Uh, you get a, There's a lot of things that we look forward to. You probably have some gatherings that you look forward to. You have some traditions that you look forward to, but then if we're honest, There's also some things that during the Christmas season uh, we don't look forward to. It's those, some of those things that uh, we don't love as much. We, We do them because we know we should, but we don't necessarily love to. It's some of those awkward gatherings. You know how it is. You have a, that awkward extended family gathering where you're never sure what Uncle Bob's going to say or Aunt, Aunt uh, Sally, what she's going to say. And, and you have some of those awkward moments. Or maybe it's uh, your spouse's office Christmas party that you go to, and again, it's one of those things you know you're supposed to do, and so you go to it, but when it's time to leave, you're definitely not upset, and you go because you know you should, but it's awkward, and some of those times you kind of feel out of place. Well, whether you're watching online or whether you're here this evening, if you've ever experienced awkwardness or feeling a little bit out of place during Christmas and this season, ...then you'd be in good company. Because the very first Christmas... ...the the first Christmas where Jesus was born... the, ...the Christmas that we celebrate... ...was full of awkward moments... And it was full of characters that didn't seem to be in the right place. In fact, some of the people that that came to visit Jesus first were actually people that you would never have expected to. And if you were to look at the scene 2,000 years ago, you would have thought, why are those guys there with this baby? And and that's really the, the Christmas story similar to how maybe we feel out of place sometimes. Man, there was a lot of people that didn't fit the storyline, if you were writing it the way you think maybe it should be written. But Dr. Luke, a a first century author that wrote some of the the scriptures, he wrote the book of Luke, and then he wrote the book of Acts. He actually was one of the people that wrote a, a historical account of Jesus's birth and his life. And like a good doctor, he gives a lot of details and he kind of explains for us some of the people that came to see Jesus first that, man, they seemed out of place and it really wasn't who you would have expected to visit the birthplace of a king, especially first. He, He says this in Luke chapter two, we'll start in verse six. It says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Mary and Joseph, whether you grew up in church or not, you've heard of them. Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem about 90 miles for a a lady that was nine months pregnant, which probably wasn't fun. And and they, they traveled to Bethlehem and they traveled there for one reason that they probably didn't like the reason, and it was so they could be registered. And basically what that means is they could be counted so they could then be taxed. And so they travel to Bethlehem. And while they were there in Bethlehem, after 90 miles of walking and riding a donkey, maybe, it came time for Mary to give birth to Jesus. And it says this in verse 7. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Over the years, we've kind of taken this scene of, of them in a barn or in a cave. And we've kind of made it cute. And we have really cute manger scenes that, man, we all put out at different times. And maybe even if you didn't grow up in church, man, you, you drive around town and you see manger scenes out in yards. And, it, man, it looks pretty cool. But if we were to be there 2,000 years ago, it didn't look quite as cute as it does on our mantle. In fact, what we would have seen is... A dirty, poor, at this point, homeless family amongst dirty, smelly animals having a baby. There was no medicine. There was no disinfectant. There was no fresh linens to put this baby on a nice bed. This was definitely not a scene that you would have written for the birthplace of a king. But that's where Jesus was born. And Luke tells us about that. But then what Luke does is he goes on and he says, hey, while this is happening in a stable or barn in Bethlehem, right outside of the city, there's some kind of characters, some guys, uh, kind of almost thugs that he starts to tell us about. And these weren't real popular guys in that time. It says this in verse 8. It says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. So shepherding is one of the oldest professions in the world. Shepherds, they guess what they did? Not, not, not a rocket science question. They tended sheep. They protected sheep. They watched over them. That's what they did. And so you have these these shepherds, and they're not far from where this baby's been born, and, and they're out in the field, and they're doing what they do every single night. And in this day and age, shepherds, they weren't real popular. Like, if you grew up in church, you wanted to be a shepherd in the play. Well, in real life, you didn't want to be a shepherd, Because in real life, these guys were looked down on. They were kind of guys at the lowest end of the social ladder. They were guys that, some of them were thieves. Their behavior wasn't always great. They weren't even able to give testimony in court. The religious crowd looked at them as kind of unclean because, man, they they hung out with a bunch of uh, sheep all day. And so they weren't even allowed to go into some of the religious stuff. They weren't even allowed to take part in it. And so these guys, as you can imagine, they're out there in the field. They're, they're watching over their, their sheep. And they're probably cynical about religion. They're definitely not caring that a baby's been born in a stable a few miles away. That's not on their radar at all. And in fact, these guys were the type of guys, If to, to be honest, these were the guys you didn't want your daughter bringing home. Like, these were not great guys. They, were, they didn't behave. They, they were just kind of out there in the field doing what guys that live out in the field do, and that's kind of what their life was. But yet, as as unreligious as these guys were, they had a really important part in the religion of the day because they raised sheep. And in this day and age, there were Thousands of sheep that were sacrificed every year in religious systems and religious ceremonies. And so these guys, it, it was, it, it, they had to bug them. They couldn't take part in the religious stuff because they were considered unclean, but people came out to them and bought their sheep to, to use them in religious ceremonies. And so you can imagine these guys are probably pretty cynical as it relates to God and religion. And so they're out there. These cynical guys, they're out in the middle of the field doing what they do every night. They're talking, they're looking over their sheep. But then something happens in the middle of the night that changes everything for these guys. It says this in verse 9 it says, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified amidst the quiet and darkness of the night, all of a sudden an angel appears to them and the scripture says they were terrified. I'm talking like these guys, this was intense fear. They're just hanging out in the middle of the night and all of a sudden an angel comes. I mean, this is the type of thing that if you would have caught this on video, you might like win $10,000 from America's Funniest Videos because you got these boys, these tough guys out in the middle of the field just scared to death because all of a sudden, in the middle of the black of night, this angel appears. And though they're paralyzed with fear, their perspective changes very quickly when they listen to what the angel says. Here's what the angel said. It says, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid, For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That the angel says, hey, instead of being afraid, instead of being terrified, I want you to lean in because what I'm about to tell you is good news that will bring joy to everyone. So lean in, quit being afraid. He says this in verse 11, Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for the religious people. No, 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 no. A Savior has been born for you, the Messiah. And these guys, they would have known enough about religion to understand that because of sin, the relationship that man had with God had been broken. And they would have understood that the world had been waiting for the Messiah to come, the one that would pay for sin and heal the relationship between God and men. They 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 may not have believed it all, they may not have bought into the whole thing, but they understood, They they knew about this, and the angel says to them, hey guys, this person you've heard about, this person that you maybe don't even believe in, the one you've heard them talk about, this is the one that's been born tonight. It's a savior and it's a savior for you. And then the, the angel goes on and says this, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger, which probably blew their mind. Like the Messiah manger. I don't, I don't get all this, but they they continue to listen. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. <laughs> About this time, the shepherds may have been wondering, like, did the angel take a wrong turn? Like, like one of the big questions that they were probably thinking is, why us? Like, the the, the angel angel must have taken a wrong turn, didn't have the directions right, because he came to us, the most irreligious people around, he came to us to talk about a birth of a savior? We're the last person that you would come to to tell that about. We're unimportant in society. We're not even huge fans of religion. Why would you come to us? Why us? Yet in God's plan, he wanted the shepherds to be the first to know about his son's birth. Which led them to come face to face, with, come face to face with probably the single biggest question they would ever answer. And honestly, it's the same question that each of us is faced with, whether we're watching online or whether we're here tonight. It's the same question that the, the uh, shepherds were faced with, and it's simply this. What am I going to do with Jesus? So that the shepherds had to decide, like we just had angels fill the sky. We just had angels tell us that a savior for us has been born just a few miles away. What are we going to do with Jesus? Are we going to just pretend that didn't happen and continue to do what we're doing? Or are we going to go after this, go find this baby? And for the shepherds that night, it didn't take them long to decide. In fact, the the scriptures say in verse 15, it says, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I mean, these guys are like, man, our, our hearts can't let us stay here. There's something that's happening inside of us, something that that we can't describe, and we can't just stay here. We've got to go find this baby. And so it says this verse 16. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. After what was probably not a, a really long search, because we're not talking about a huge town. And there's not a lot of stables or caves. So they probably found the baby fairly quickly. They they go in and they see this young couple, Mary, maybe 15. Joseph, pretty young man, bunch of animals, which they're used to, because man, that's what they, they smell the same way these, these places do, because they hang out with animals all day. And then they look and they see this baby. This baby that's laying in a feeding trough. This Messiah, this the Savior for you. I I can't imagine what went through these guys' minds as they looked down at this baby that was the Messiah. It says in verse 17, as they... Kind of take this in and they begin to maybe have some conversation with Mary and Joseph. It says, after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Basically, the the shepherds, as they're in there, they're in there hanging out with Mary and Joseph. They're like, you guys will never guess what just happened to us. And, and they, they sat and talked to Mary and Joseph, like, let me tell you, like, why we're even here. Let me tell you what just happened like an hour ago over in the field. And, and it was, it says, man, that the people that were hearing this, Mary and Joseph, they heard this. It was amazing because, again, these are shepherds. These are thugs. These are guys that aren't religious. Why would they be the first one to be announced the Savior and his birth? and So they... they, they have this conversation and it says this in verse 19 it says but mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them mary was just taking this all in as a young girl and it was precious to her and it says this in verse 20 the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all the things they had seen and heard which were just as they had been told See, what started as a quiet night with a group of cynical shepherds ended with those same men passionately telling others about a Savior who had been born for them and for the world, which which, no matter where you are as it relates to faith, whether you're watching online or you're here with us this afternoon, really brings us back to those two questions, that I mentioned to you just a couple minutes ago. Whether you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're skeptical of the whole Christmas story thing, maybe you're kind of investigating faith, doesn't matter really where you are, it brings us all back to maybe those two questions that I asked just a little bit earlier. One of the questions the shepherds may have asked themselves and one of the questions the shepherds had to answer that evening. And that first question is simply this, why us? us? Like, why did God send angels to announce the birth of his Savior, King, Messiah, Son to shepherds? Could it be that God wanted the world to know that Jesus came for the broken, rejected, skeptical, and irreligious... Could it be that as as the shepherds came that, that God was saying, hey, I've come and I've come for the Sunday school kid and I've also come for the pothead. I've come for the priest and I've also come for the prostitute. I have come to save those who are lost. Could it be that that very night, the reason he chose the shepherds because he wanted through the ages, the message to be clear that I've come For those who are lost. Could it be. That not only. Did he have that. But but could it be that he wanted to show the world. That Jesus transforms people. Not religion. Could, Could it be that the reason he gave the shepherds the message first was he wanted to make clear, hey, the guys that are the least religious, the guys that aren't even allowed to take part in the religious system, I want to tell the message to them first, and I want to make clear that religion doesn't transform you, Jesus does. Some of you, you may, whether you're watching online or you're here this evening, some of you, you've walked away from the church because of religion. Because you thought a relationship with God meant do, 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 do. And if you don't do all the right things, then God's mad at you. And I think what God wanted to say by sending the message to the shepherds was, Hey, it's not about you doing, it's about me transforming you through my son. Jesus. And so that first question, why us? But then it leads us to that second question. And I want us to, as we close up tonight, I want us to think about this question, especially at Christmas. And it's the same question the shepherds had to answer and people have been faced with for 2000 years. And it's simply this, what am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with Jesus? The shepherds had to decide that night, what am I going to do with Jesus? And really, there's, there's two options. We can reject him or we can embrace him. We can reject him or we can embrace him. So, if we're going to reject Jesus, it might look like this. It might look like us saying, Hey, Jesus, man, I I admit to you that I've disobeyed God. Of course, I've broken God's commandments. I I understand that you came, you were born, you you came, you lived a sinless life, you paid for the sin of the world by dying on the cross, you rose from the grave. I I get all that. But you know what? I, I want to live my life the way I want to. And so I'm going to kind of go my own way. I'm going to kind of live my life the way I want to. And when my life is over, I will pay for my sin on my own. I don't need your payment. I appreciate what you did. And that was, man, great. You came to earth. You died for us. You rose from the grave. All that's great. But tonight I'm going to say no. I'm going to reject that offer of a relationship. I want to live my life the way I want to. And when I die... I'll go ahead and take care of my own sin. I don't need your payment for it. And and we can do that. we, We can reject Jesus or we can embrace him. Just like the shepherds that night, they had to make a decision. Am I going to reject this message? Am I going to reject this person? Or am I going to embrace him? And if we are to embrace Jesus, it might look like this. It might look like us saying, hey, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I admit to you that I've disobeyed you. I can't save myself. I get it. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. And you know what? Instead of me going my own way, I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. I want to accept your payment for my sin. I want you to transform me and give me a home in heaven when this life is over. We can reject him. Or we can embrace Him. And so the question as we come to just the close of what I wanted to talk about tonight is simply this. What am I going to do with Jesus? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Before I close our time in prayer and then the band comes back out and sings a couple more songs for us. I want to give you the opportunity on this Christmas Eve 2020 to take the very special and important step of embracing Jesus. If you're here tonight and you would say, hey, Chris, I'm here on Christmas Eve. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you're watching online and you say, hey, Chris, as I hear about Jesus and I hear about his birth and his death and his love for me Man, I, I, I no longer want to reject him, but tonight I want to embrace him. How would I do that? With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're watching online or you're here with us this afternoon, would you be willing just in the quietness of your heart, if that's you, would you be willing to admit to God that you've sinned? Would you be willing to admit to God, God, I have disobeyed you. Would you be willing in the quietness of your heart to not only admit to God that you've sinned, but to believe that when Jesus came and he died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you? And then would you be willing to just, in the quietness of this evening, would you be willing to come to him and say, Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to transform me. I want a home in heaven when this life is over. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight and you'd say, Chris, I want to do that. I want to start a relationship with Jesus tonight. I want to embrace him tonight. I believe that I've sinned. I believe Jesus died and rose from the grave for me. And tonight I want to start a relationship with him. You can do that just in the quietness of this room. You can do that just just between you and God. You can tell God we call this prayer. And what I'm going to do as we close our time together is I'm going to say a simple prayer. And if you're here this evening, whether you're watching online or you're here with us, and you would say, tonight I want to embrace Jesus. As I pray this prayer out loud, you pray this prayer to God in your heart. And you say, hey, Chris, is this a magic prayer? Does this prayer save me? No. What saves us, what starts a relationship with Jesus is what we believe in our heart. And we tell God what we believe in our heart by praying. And so in the quietness of this room, would you just in in your heart, would you say, dear God, I admit to you that I've sinned. God, I believe that Jesus came and died on the cross and raised from the dead for me. Jesus, tonight, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to save me. I want to start a relationship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight and you would say, hey, Chris, tonight, I embrace Jesus. Tonight I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just tell me that by just raising your hand? Would you just raise your hand and say, Hey Chris, tonight I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me? Anybody else? Seen a couple hands? I see you in the back, see you down front. Anybody else? Before you leave, if you've you've made a decision for Jesus tonight, and if you have asked him to save you, would you do me a a small favor? In in front of you, there's a little next steps card, and if you would just write your name on it, and then there's a box that you can check that says, hey, I prayed to start a new relationship with Jesus. You can check that box, and then you can put it on in the baskets on your way out. What we want to do, we want to send you an email and give you some tools that'll help you in your new relationship with Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your birth. I thank you that you give us the opportunity to embrace you and you give us an opportunity to have a relationship that transforms us now and gives us a home in heaven. And Lord, tonight we celebrate your birth. In Jesus' name, amen.